4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 with 18. We are... Hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We are always carried about in our body the death of Jesus, so that life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who also are alive, being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore, I have spoken, since we have the same spirit of faith. We also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow for the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Tonight, three different things, Just uh, uh, I'll give you some points, but they're more coat hangers to, to give us where to look. Uh, first point would just be background, but the, the sermon's title would be Enduring, Enduring. We endure. When you look at the background, uh, and again, I obviously apologize for my voice, <laughs> I sound like I'm going through puberty. <clears throat> Yeah, there you go. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinth church, and they are going through some hardship and trials. And he and his co-workers are preaching the gospel. They are experiencing the same thing. And so Paul gives them some things to think about. I think first few things we look at, he says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Second thing he tells them is we are perplexed but not in despair. Third thing he tells them is we are persecuted but not forsaken. Fourth is that we are cast down but not destroyed. And I think Paul is teaching every Christian something they need to know. If you look there again at 2 Corinthians four sixteen and 17, he says, Therefore we do not despair, but even our physical body is wearing away. Our inner person is being renewed day by day. I like that. Wasting away, but we're renewing day by day. For our momentary light is suffering. It's producing an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Whatever is eternal, outstripping any of the things that you and I are going through right now. I think Paul is teaching us that uh, what we suffer cannot be compared to the glory that we will experience in heaven. And that's really the goal, (laughs) is to be with our Lord Jesus. That's where we're trying to get to. Uh, This is just the temporary place. This is the training ground. In fact, he says that our suffering is light when it's compared to the load of the abundance and the eminence and the excellence of heaven. When we compare what we go through here with what we're going to get 
it's not really a fair comparison. Uh, that it's a feather on this side and gold on the side of God. It's just not in comparison. But he notes the fact that there are hardships. He doesn't discount them. He doesn't discount that there's going to be suffering. And I think in this, this, his preaching and in life in general, that is true. Those things happen. So in 2 Corinthians 11, he also says some things to the Corinthian church, and he exhorts them, uh, taking them out just really quickly. I'll give you four things there, too. Uh, the, the reason that he was writing to them and the reason he was dealing with that, and again, you can see it in 2 Corinthians 11, is that he was putting up with false teachers who were questioning his apostolic office. You know, uh, uh, he didn't go with the apostles, so he must not be an apostle. Of course, you know, we know that's not the case. Uh, but he was having to defend that he was an apostle. And then secondly, these false teachers were questioning his authority, whether he's not only qualified but he wasn't eloquent enough to be an apostle. You're not only not qualified, you can't even speak well. So you shouldn't be preaching. Thirdly, they're saying that Paul hadn't accomplished much for the gospel. Well, that's just crazy, but, you know, get, get the point. They're just hacking away at him and his ministry. And fourthly, Paul refutes their lies and accusations and begins to tell the Corinth church what he has suffered for Christ. And so as you look at this, passage of scripture he's talking to them but he's also sharing his experience of what it's like to preach the gospel and deal with the hardships and the trials that people go through every day in second corinthians eleven twenty three through 28 just that one section he talks about what he has endured what he's gone through the sufferings uh, first of all, he was five times, he was whipped or given 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with clubs. You know, they were either clubs or staves. What they, imagine taking a bunch of reeds or, or sticks about the size of my finger and bundling them together and hitting somebody with them. So it's like a lash. And so when you talk about clubs, it can be something like that. Uh, he was stoned one time and then he three times was shipwrecked. So when you look at his hardships, he says, this is what I've endured preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those were the things he'd suffered, and yet the things that he faced from danger, he faced danger in the water. He faced danger from robbers. It's funny when he tells the story, he faced dangers from people he knew and people he didn't know. It's just whichever direction he went, he was in the middle of it. He did it in the city. He did it in the country. He got it from the believers, and he got it from false friends. He goes on to say that he had been without sleep. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was overwhelmed, and he had this anxiety for the care of the church, it just the burden of caring for these young churches that were growing and writing these letters to them and trying to make sure that the places he had preached were still staying true to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The man had a heavy load to bear. When you look at that and see what he has done, it is not uncommon to go, oh my gosh, really? Why would you keep doing that? Because it doesn't seem to be promoting a lot of victory when you look at all that. Here's what I'm suffering. What is the outcome? And that's why that, the idea when you read in four, that, that it, it doesn't compare to what the result is. 
Yes, there's a lot, but he's defending himself at this point, trying to show what he's gone through for the case of Christ and what he's accomplished through what he's done. He's defending that, but he's also saying, in light of that, still heaven is greater. Whatever I'm going through doesn't matter as long as we make it to heaven. And so you read these verses and you picture that here's a Christian man of God who's suffering and enduring for the gospel. Now, now Paul is preaching us, I think, some very basic things here. When I look at what he does, uh, he's talking to us and he's saying that we are all going to face some tests in our life, trials. All of us are going to go through that. He says, I'm not exempt, you're not exempt. So he talks to them, and he's trying to say, even in light of that, we have faith that we're going to move forward. So in in spite of the trials, we're we're not losing, we're moving forward. In spite of the burden, it doesn't mean we can't go forward in what we're doing. And I think we have to remember there in 2 Corinthians 4.17, the place we're trying to get, again, heaven, that, that this is not what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about this. <laughs> I'm not worried about this. <clears throat> I apologize. I am worried about the end result. Like Paul says, I want to make sure I finish the race. I think also Paul is teaching them that we're not always going to come out on top of the battle. And that's hard to take if you want to win. I mean, if you want to win. It's like I, I, I want everything to succeed. Everything doesn't succeed. The places that used to have churches don't have churches anymore. It didn't mean that they didn't preach the gospel or people didn't get saved or other churches weren't started from those churches or the gospel was not spread, but sometimes communities just swallow them up and they're not successful. I think he's trying to teach them that they're not always going to win the battle, but Paul himself tells us that in spite of the countless sufferings beatings imprisonment and loss of life it just doesn't matter when it comes to making sure somebody hears the gospel he understood what the what the prize was is people's souls and so for him it was worth it he was willing to go through all of that when you look at that passage of scripture and in any throughout Second Corinthians, I think there's some key words that he, he talks about as well. Verse 23, he uses uh, words, in labors, more abundant, NIV says, I have worked much harder. This idea of working and labor. In verse 26, he says, in journeyings often, New International says, I have constantly been on the move. And this idea of, you see the progression Uh, And it's important to see he's moving forward throughout the book. He's trying to move them forward. Uh, You see words like hardship, suffering, uh, work harder. Uh, We see words like times of suffering. Uh, You see words like severe uh, or forward or intolerable conditions, in NIV will say. And yet he still uses the word continue to work hard. You, You see those words paired throughout that book. So he's, he's laying these guidelines down. Again, suffering, this stuff's going to happen, but we keep working and we keep moving forward. I don't know if you remember Rocky. There was a clip in Rocky. He said, it's not how hard you can hit, but how hard you can get hit and still move forward. You're going to get hit. 
And you may not have the strongest punch, but can you endure what is coming your way? I've seen many Christians fall apart and unravel during trials. I've seen many Christians get hit and go down and stay down. And they, they lose their identity and they lose their, I think, destiny. And the fact that they are not willing to pay the price that Paul was willing to pay. I think you look at that and you see that every Christian faces, secondly, the, that was the background, now we're getting to trials. I think that's really what he, he's talking to them about, the trials that they face. Every Christian faces trials, that's a fact. Whether it's the gospel that's related to, because I preach the gospel, I'm getting pummeled, he says. I go in a community, the Jews come after me. Uh, for you, it may be something else. It may be at work, it may be family, it may be in the community that you try to talk to people and you, you receive, because of the gospel, trials. But it could be just the trials that life brings. All life has trials. We face trials. You can think of those that you're going through right now, probably. There's trials. There's trials and tribulations. Jesus said in, in John 16, 33, in the world you shall have tribulation. So different things um, describe that same word as trouble, affliction, anguish, burdens, pressure, and you get the picture of what that, what that is like. You feel the weight, the burden of the trial. It feels like pressure or it feels like burdens or anguish. Acts 14.22 says, confirming the souls of the disciples, calling on them to continue in the faith, that through much tribulation we must enter into the kingdom of God. Um, uh, the, the Old Testament, New Testament gives examples of this idea of tribulation being like birth pains. That it's, it, it brings about the success of the gospel. Uh, it brings about, you go through the history of the church and it is not when things are easy that the church has moved forward in giant leaps. It's when the church has been persecuted and it's been hit and it spreads out and it begins to go different places that we get comfortable in not going. And so maybe God does that to move the gospel and to move us to places that he wants us to go. Christian, Christianity is not about what you can get it's about what you can endure. It's not just about what you can get, it's what you endure. Look at what Jesus went through to get for us what we needed. Look at what the disciples all went through. Most of them were martyrs for the faith. Read Fox books of martyrs sometimes if you have an opportunity and look through that and see the history of what happened to the apostles because of what they preached, because they were faithful in that preaching. Because there's going to be times when you're going to experience something heavy. There are going to be times when you're going to be challenged like you've never been challenged before. There are going to be times when you face suffering or your family faces suffering, pressure, trouble, affliction, anguish. Again, it's going to be part of our lives. And it's here and, it right, and it's right now. And I think as you read the gospel and, and listen to the way I say this, it determines the kind of blessings you get. Because if you turn your back on the tribulation, the trials, and the pressure, and you give up, you lose the opportunity for a blessing. 
a blessing to see some change or some growth, an opportunity to see some expansion or some maturity. If I give in and I buckle underneath the pressure and the trials, I miss out on certain blessings that I would have gained had I finished the race that God set before me. It is how much you can, I think, be beaten on and still move forward. Because Satan is constantly hacking away at you, trying to get you to stop doing what God wants you to do. I think some other words that we see throughout uh, the book uh, is the words blessing is the word endurance. It depends on the translation. The International Version uses endurance a little bit more. But uh, there are other places you find this idea, First James, or James 1, rather, 2 through 4, my brothers and sisters, consider it nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials because you know that the testing your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect effect so that you will be perfect and complete, not deceitful or deficient, rather, in anything. There's that idea of endurance. That I'm hanging on, Second or, or Colossians, rather, 1, you're being strengthened with all power according to the glorious might that you might patiently endure everything with joy and might thank God who has enabled us to share in the saints the inheritance of the light. Again, Colossians 1, 11 and 12. That idea is throughout the New Testament of endurance. What am I enduring? I'm enduring pressure. I'm enduring trials. I'm enduring tribulation. That is a part of who I am in Christ. So what is it? I think it's the result for us, again, is blessing. That the end of endurance is some sort of blessing, whatever God is trying to bless you with. James 5 says, brothers and sisters, follow the example of the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. They were patient. They suffered unjustly. We consider those who endured to be blessed. To be blessed. It was a blessing to suffer for God because you were able to share in that moment his message. James goes on to talk about Job's endurance. You saw that the Lord ended Job's suffering because the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Yes, he suffered. Yes, he endured, and God blessed. He followed up with a blessing. We all know what happened to Job in the end. He was twice as blessed than all that he suffered and lost. You read in Job 42, 10, so the Lord restored what Job had lost after he prayed for his friends, and the Lord doubled all that had belonged to Job before. I'm sure Job wouldn't have signed up to <clears throat> lose everything and to get double, but still, because he was faithful and he endured, he did get everything back. You read on in Job, if you continue to look at the book in verse 42, or Job 42, the Lord blessed him. He had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 oxen, 1,000 female donkeys, seven sons, three daughters. All this is over and over again, and he lived 140 years. Uh, if your life is three score and ten, God doubled it. Now think about that. That he doubled everything because Job endured. I think Paul teaches us the same thing. He says, he talks about what he's went through. And as, as you listen to him, he uses the word boasting. Uh, in, in chapters 11 and 12, he, he talks about that. And he, but he's boasting about his weakness. 
not his successes. He said, it is my, it's, it's this position I've been put in, this weakness that made the opportunity to unfold. Had I not been weak, I wouldn't have been where I was or what I did or had the opportunity to speak how I did. So he boasts about his weakness. And he says it in 2 Corinthians eleven thirty. If I must boast, I will boast about the things that show my weakness. So when they came at him about he wasn't a, an eloquent speaker, wasn't an Apollos, didn't make any difference. God used the weakness and he blessed people. You read on in chapter 12, he talks about how God showed him some things that were unbelievable, divine things, heavenly things. But because he didn't want him to become proud, he gave him a thorn in the flesh. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He called it a messenger from Satan to buffet him. The word buffet means to hit or punch. So the Bible says this three times. He's given a, this thorn in the flesh three different occasions. 2 Corinthians 12, 8, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take away my, but he told me my grace is all you need for my power is perfected in weakness. When we don't seem to feel successful, it may be that moment that God has us to endure to gain the blessing and success. So don't give up. Don't give in. Don't let the pressure tear you apart, or make you give up because God is just over the horizon ready to give the blessing that he did to the apostle. And he says that, it, it, my power, my grace is sufficient for you. I, I think the Redeemer will not let us sink under the burden of worries and woes. Jesus won't let that happen to us. He doesn't want that to happen to us. You will not sink, you will not capsize, you will not go under, you will not descend, you will not be in despair under the burden if you endure in Christ. Now, I don't have enough energy to endure. You know, I, I can't do it on my own. I need him. And I need the ability that he gives me to be able to do that. And I think that is where he says my power is perfected in weakness. God gives that power. He imparts to our weakness what we need. He's, he manifests inside our weakness that power. He gives our blessings. And that blessing from God, I think, is his presence, his strength, and his endurance in that power. Uh, without him, I can't do it on my own. I think Paul says here that he, he, he didn't want to crumble, would be a good word, under the weight of, of the pressure that he was experiencing. I believe that God blesses us spiritually, certainly. But I believe he blesses us physically. Paul got through the trials. He got through the thorn in the flesh. Uh, <clears throat> when Paul didn't have enough, people blessed him financially. I believe God does that as well. When we endure the hardship, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that because of Job and his experience. I can, I can see what God is willing to do to a believer who will endure. To a believer who will hold on. To a believer who asks God to help them in the midst of their trial and suffering. Temptations. Marital problems. 
physical issues, financial problems, demonic attacks. I believe those are all in the Bible, aren't they? And God shows how he helped his people through all of these instances, and he has never forsaken you either. I think just sometimes we focus more on the trial and the burden than we do on the enduring and the blessing. I feel horrible, God. Why me? As opposed to what is it you want me to do with this opportunity, this trial, this burden? I know it's tough. uh, But I also know Psalms 37 says God will supply our needs. He gives us what we need. I read Psalm 23, and he provides everything. He's the shepherd. But I have to believe in him. And I think that's where we come down to a conclusion, thirdly. In the end, I think when the smoke is all cleared away and the fight was over, Paul would say, I have been blessed beyond measure. In the end of my life, I've, I've gotten more than I've given I would agree with Paul that I never imagined I'd have as much as I have in the Lord and what he's given me in my life. You know, we lived in a a 800 square foot house when I was growing up. You know, mom and dad had a bedroom. We had a bedroom, it was living room, kitchen, you know, all that stuff. It was a little small house. I never imagined I'd live in the house I live in now. You know, I think my closet's as big as my bedroom was, you know. I mean, I never imagined anything like that. I think of the things that we have and we've been given. You know, we had a television in the living room, and it was black and white. I remember when we got air conditioning for the first time growing up. And, you know, though, it's like, how many televisions are in my house now? I'd have to start counting. I just, you know, all of this stuff that we've been blessed with that are unbelievable things we never even imagined growing up. And yet, we whine and complain about what we go through. That has to stop. We have to endure and see the blessing for what's coming. I want to be like Paul. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. And now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, not only to me, but also to those who love his appearing. You look at those words, and that crown of righteousness is a mark of of royalty. I'm a son of the king. I'm a part of the family. It's a victor's prize. It's it's the wreath that would be given to someone who won the race in, in the Greek games. It's to us spiritually... I think an eternal blessing, it symbolizes heaven for those who finish the race. And all of that, I think Paul says, is there. It is for us to remember, again, it's not how hard you can hit, it's how hard you get hit and get up and move forward. It will be difficult, but it won't be impossible. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you and ask you to help us in our moment of trial and suffering. Each of us experience that. Some are more intense than others. Some of us go through seasons of trial and suffering. 
but you promised to never leave us or abandon us. And so we hold on to that, and we with Paul want to finish the race. Enduring is what we want to do. Help us to be people of endurance and to see the prize that is set before us. Not what we go through, not the struggle, but the end to be with you. We pray in Jesus' holy name, amen.